Dubé to Coronado. He shoots. He scores! And here come the hats. Matt Coronado wires one right into the roof of the Canucks net and completes his hat trick. The fans wanted 10. They've got it. It is 10 to nothing. What's well, one way to kick off the preseason for the Calgary Flames? 10 nothing, as you heard from Derek Wills there. Live on Sportsnet 960, the fan last night. The Flames kicking off the preseason in style, hitting double digits against the Vancouver Canucks. A hat trick for Matt Coronado. A couple nice goals for Jonathan Huberto. And everybody's feeling good after a win to kick off the preseason. Welcome to Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you on another Calgary Flames game day. We're set for split squad action tonight against the Seattle Kraken in Calgary and in Seattle. More on that coming up in just a little bit. We'll react to last night's massive win over the Canucks. Maybe a little too soon to plan the parade route through Calgary, but a strong start nonetheless. We'll take a look at the opposition a little bit later on today as well. Jeff Baker is going to join us from the Seattle Times. Take a look at the Pacific Division rivals for the Calgary Flames, the Seattle Kraken. What we'll see out of their two lineups tonight. Plus a little bit later on, some NFL chat with our Monday regular. Emily Sadler will join us from Sportsnet to break down the Sunday slate of games for the Miami Dolphins. We're the storyboard of Saturday with a, or Sunday, excuse me, with a 70-point performance on offense against the Denver Broncos. So lots to get to on the program. Quick reminder, we're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, we have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Good afternoon, friends. Afternoon, buddy. Hello, Taylor. Hello. Uh, Flames game day today. Quick uh, reminder, text line open to you, 960-960. Shoot us a text. You can talk with Cam and Taylor. You can get your thoughts in on last night's Flames game. That's where we're going to start today's program. That was uh, pretty good if you're a Flames fan last night. Now, yes, the caveat comes. It is a preseason game that was nowhere near the uh, opening night roster that the Vancouver Canucks will ice come the regular season, but a chance to do something that the Calgary Flames didn't do a lot of last year in a couple different ways. One was obviously have that sort of offensive explosion, and two, in my mind, it was a chance for this team to feel good about themselves, and you can write down anything you want as far as excuses or, or what it was as the preseason, the Canucks, all that. It's still is good to see this group feel good about themselves because there was not enough of that last year. And Jonathan Huberto wanted to play it down. Matt Coronado wanted to play it down post game in the flames locker room. But you could tell walking away from the rink last night, regardless of the opponent, regardless of the, they felt good about themselves. And again, that didn't happen enough last year for this team. And hopefully not every game's going to be 10 nothing. It's not going to be anywhere close to that during the regular season, but hopefully 
more days than not this season, this Flames team is going to be able to walk away with a good feeling. 10 nothing, 10 goals in a regular season or playoff game. Last time that happened was 1996. Cam and Taylor were not even real things then. That's correct. I was not but even a, a thought. I was but a child. Not yet introduced to the world of sport. So it's, it's been a while since we've seen a 10 spot. And the takeaways, well, you can go any which way you want. The Coronado hat trick, which we played coming in, and the start to the preseason for number 39 was phenomenal. The first two goals for Matt Coronado were, I think, exactly what you want to see if you're Ryan Huska, because they weren't gimme goals for him in the sense of the play starts with him and his teammates battling along the boards and winning a puck battle to create those offensive opportunities. And yes, it certainly helps to have that right shot. It certainly helps to have the kind of release that he does. But Matt Coronado worked for all of his goals last night. He made a a really strong night one impression. And this is a guy that we've talked so much about. There's a path to the NHL for him this year. If he does this the right way. Well, that was a plus plus check all the boxes on night one for Matt Coronado, as far as that path to an NHL spot goes. And how many people were happy to see Jonathan Huberto get on the board in the way that he did two absolute snipes top corner. The second one, probably the bigger relief for flames fans because it came after Jonathan Huberto missed a few minutes Took a hit from Matt Irwin, a bit of a knee-on-knee collision with the Canucks defenseman. He was a bit ginger going off of the ice, slammed his stick. And worry immediately permeated throughout the Saddle Dome. Luckily, it was just a couple minutes. He described it as a bruise post-game, so he was able to play through it. Wasn't a worry. He said he should be absolutely fine and ready to go for the remainder of the preseason. While it was clear he was doing okay because he came back. Scored a great goal and used that lethal shot that I I mentioned this again last night with Pat. You want to see that. To me, it just, he started to ooze that confidence that you knew was there from his time in Florida. And it was important to see. He he talks, he says, he said post game, for as long as he can remember, people have been telling him to shoot the puck more. And he heard it from the stands last year about shooting it more. And, He's going to try to be more of a shooter this year, but it's hard to take the playmaker out of the guy, right? Alex Tongay was very similar in my mind to Jonathan Huber. Alex Tongay had a great shot, supremely skilled with the puck. Shootouts was an absolute animal because he just had that great release, but he was just always naturally a deferring type of player. He liked being the setup guy, and I think in a lot of ways, Jonathan Huber was similar to that. But if he's going to shoot the puck in those key moments and he's not going to defer when the opportunity comes, it's going to be a lot more positive year for Jonathan Huberto than it was in year one. And that's not saying much. Year one didn't come with a lot of positives if you were Jonathan Huberto. But it certainly was a good thing. We were right off the hop in the positive way for the Calgary Flames. Again, it's preseason. We're not planning the parade. It's always nice to beat the Canucks. 
But again, we were talking in the media lounge post game about how many Canucks are really going to be close to or on that opening night roster for Vancouver. And we were at two or three names mostly. So the opponents were certainly not anywhere near the kind of lineup that the Calgary Flames iced. But they did what they were supposed to do. You can't blame them if you're the Calgary Flames. You were the much better roster. You had more experienced NHLers. You should have gone out and put up a performance like that. And they absolutely did. That leads us into tonight. Right back at it for the Calgary Flames. Half of the team heading to Seattle for a split squad game against the Seattle Kraken. We're back at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for a 7 o'clock puck drop tonight. That means Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson goes at 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock puck drop. Kraken and Flames right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan and we'll see a different looking team for the Calgary Flames tonight as some of the veterans switch in and out. We have had a roster update, by the way, from the Calgary Flames uh, in the last half an hour or so. So if you happen to see rosters this morning and some of the names sound differently than the ones I'm going to present to you, it's because they've changed in the last uh, half hour or so as to what group is going to Seattle and what group is staying here in Calgary. As far as some of the players you'll see tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Dustin Wolf will be in net for the Calgary Flames. On defense, Nikita Zadorov, Yan Kuznetsov, Mackenzie Wieger, Noah Hannafin, Nick DeSimone, and Etienne Moran. Up front for the Calgary Flames, Backland, Coleman, Peltier, Klapka, Bishop Jones, Stromgren, Dewar, Lipinski, Pedersen, Schwint, Manjapani. So a couple of veterans there, that line of Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman, likely to see some time again. We'll see where Jacob Pelche slides in for his first NHL game of the preseason. As far as the group going to Seattle, as usual with most road games, let alone uh, a split squad road game on the back half of a back-to-back it's a much younger lineup heading to Seattle. It'll be headed in goal by Dan Vladar. Connor Murphy will go in goal as well. You got Lyle Brady, Tyson Galloway, Diot, Pullman, Asperot, Gorley, and Solovioff going to Seattle. Forward-wise, Dryden Hunt, Yegor Sharangovich, who looked good last night in his first action in a Flames jersey. Rooney, Dubé, Sutter, Coronado, Hanzik, Zeri, Ruzichka. Siona, Pospisil, Nikolaev, and Bell will head to Seattle. That one in Seattle will be an 8 p.m. Calgary start. So a little bit of crossover between the two games tonight. Interesting to see uh, who you'll get to see at the Scotiabank Saddle. I'm excited to see Dustin Wolf. We've seen some of these pairings before as far as young guys. Obviously, Jacob Pelche is there. First chance to see a couple of recent draft picks for the Flames in Jaden Lipinski. And Etienne Moran as well. So those are your rosters heading to their respective games tonight for a split squad game. Uh, a couple of texts at 960-960 before we head to the saddle. Though, I'm going to get you some game day audio from head coach Ryan Huska and a few other players. Uh, this text says, the Flames should have won 10-0 comparing both rosters ice. And it's great to see they didn't disappoint. Absolutely. Uh, Paul from Calgary. How does Matt Coronado not get a roster spot after that game he played last night? I think Husker would hear it from all sides if he didn't give the shot, a kid a shot 
at the beginning of the year. The only thing I would say to that, Paul, and it's something that that Ryan brought up last night in his post-game address to us in the media, was he he said consistency is what's key for, for Matt Coronado going forward now. And I couldn't agree with that more. And by that, he and he clarified, it doesn't mean that Matt needs to score a hat trick the next time he goes out when he goes to Seattle tonight, but he needs to continue his play you know, away from the puck, those puck battles that we talked about him winning, continue to be noticeable. Did he set himself off on an absolute great foot forward to, to make this team? Sure did. But for a youngster, and so often, Ryan Huskin knows this as well as anybody, so often the battle for young players is finding their game every single night for an NHL season. That's going to be the task set for by Matt Coronado. I think we all knew in a sense that he could play at this level. We know the kind of shot he has, the kind of skill that he has. But show the coaches you can do this for an extended period of time. And that, I think, is going to go a long way to whether or not Matt Coronado is indeed on the opening night roster. Uh, Matt and Cochran says, uh, hit the last Flames hat trick since another player named Matthew also give Coronado number 19. Uh, Cam, you're right. Uh, Zadorov did have one last season. As you got back to our pal Matt and Cochran. Uh, let's see here. This one says, uh, if we only won one nothing, or God forbid even lost to that roster, everyone would be losing their minds. Let's enjoy the game for what it was. That was from Dan and Cochran. And uh, <laughs> this one says, anybody who's walked by a coffee table and given themselves a Charlie horse in the thigh know how hard it is to bounce back from something like that. That was probably a pretty good way to describe it uh, for, for Jonathan Huberto last night. Uh, it could have been worse. The neon knee thing is always what you look like, but the thigh area right around there is so easy to cramp. It's it's a pretty common thing for hockey players, and Jonathan was pretty He wasn't walking around with any sort of limp or anything last night. He was pretty confident it was a bruise. And let's be honest, if it was anything more than that, it's a meaningless preseason game. I don't think the Flames would have put him back out there if there was any chance that he was going to to worsen his injury. So that's a bit on last night. A bit of a look at the rosters heading into tonight's game. Let's get you back to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Some media availabilities following morning skate on a doubleheader game day. The split squad action in Calgary and in Seattle against the Kraken. We'll start with the head coach, Ryan Huska, talking about expectations for tonight's split squad game against Seattle and some of what he liked last night in the win over Vancouver. So after a game like last night, obviously, as coaches, you sit down and watch a little bit of video. Is there any key themes or things that you take away from that game that in a short training camp you want to try to turn around and get the players to implement right away? Uh, yes, I would say a lot of today's morning meeting was another power play session because um, we haven't hit on it with everybody yet. So this morning, these two teams, now everybody will get the the gist of what Mark wants to do on his on his power play. So that was one thing. Um, we took three areas last night and gave them really short clips or examples of how to handle certain situations, maybe a little better. Um, but totally different games tonight, I guess, is the way we've tried to prepare them for. Like, we know the way Seattle plays. They're a very fast team. Um, both teams, that the one they're sending here and the one they're keeping in Seattle are teams that will play with pace, and they have... Um, different veterans throughout their lineup, so it'll be a totally different game tonight than what we saw last night. Uh, yeah, I promised to only ask this once this season. Okay. Which city are you coaching in tonight? I'm going to stay here tonight, yeah. 
uh, Kale and uh, Mark and Joe will be going to Seattle. Jonathan had two goals last night. Guys have remarked that he's got maybe a better shot than people realize. Do you, do you want him to shoot a little more this season? Yeah. I, I think you always do when there's a chance for him to shoot. He, he is a pass-first guy, and he would probably tell you that his whole life he's been told to shoot more, I'm guessing, is probably his reaction to that. Um, but getting him to understand that there's a time and a place to pass and there's a time and a place to shoot I think is important. And the one that steps out in my head was um, last year in L.A. in overtime. Um, we want you to shoot in that situation. He's It's just ingrained in him that he's a pass-first guy. And because of that, I think the guys that he plays with, a little bit of the onus has to go on them as well, that they always have to make sure they're ready because even in situations where you're not expecting a pass, you should be thinking this thing's coming because that's just the way he thinks and, and processes the game. So um, when he has opportunity to shoot, we want him to shoot. There's no doubt about it because you see the type of shot that he does have. So it's just getting him to kind of find that balance where um, the right decision is to shoot and maybe the next time you could try to pass. So it's getting him to understand the balance. How much harder is he to defend, knowing his passing abilities, when he shows that willingness to shoot, how, how much does that, do you think, keep opponents off? Uh, a lot. I mean, if you, I, I think it's sometimes you look at certain players and a lot of D-men are smart. Chris Tanev's maybe the best defensive defenseman in the league or one of them. Uh, and he knows tendencies of certain players, so he'll always play pass against certain guys. And it makes him have to make a few different reads if he has a guy that he's also a shot threat. So then Chris has to think about where his body may go in those situations because he has to also prepare to block a shot instead of just a pass. So it, it does come into play, and it'll force defenders to deforce him a little bit differently. He had good news or encouraging news yesterday about Dennis Gilbert yeah. after the game, but everything still... Yeah, he's in the room this morning, as I mentioned. Um, you know, he won't be on the ice for the next few days, um, but it wasn't pretty seeing him go in like that, but he's, he's going to be fine. Guy, when you see a guy stay down like that, and it's a yeah. guy like Dennis Gilbert, I assume there's a little bit of, of, of worry. Yeah, for sure. But as I mentioned, he's, he's good. He'll be, he'll be back. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the goalie competition that uh, it does, doesn't start tonight, but with Wolf and Net, everyone's curious to see what his success during preseason or not will mean. Yeah, I, like anything, you want competition, um, and that's for, for Jacob, that's for Vladdy, it's for Dustin, and even Oscar last night when he came in, he did a very good job coming into the game. Um, I, I think having a younger guy that's, let's be honest, is ready to play, um, whether or not he starts up in the NHL or however that shakes out or if he plays another year in the minors, um, People know that he's a really good goaltender, so he's going to get opportunity to try to win a spot. And you have to go at it that way. Now, he's got a tall task in front of him, for sure, because the guys that we have, I think, are are both capable of, of being starters. We know Jacob is. I think Vladdy is as well. Um, so it's a tall task, no doubt. But he's at the level now where what more does he have to prove at the American League level? He has to show it here. So giving him exhibition games, giving him a chance to play, not just a period or two, um, he's going to play um, games. And that's what we're looking for out of him. And then see what he can do at this level. As we get into these, the one thing I will say about Wolfie, last year I thought he did an awesome job in the came, game that he came in. Um, but I would also say that was an American Hockey League team that we saw when he played. So once he gets further and further into the exhibition season, you're going to get better shooters. Like some of the guys that are coming here tonight, 
um, if they get chances to shoot a puck, they're dangerous, like really dangerous. So um, this will be a great test for him, and I'm expecting him to rise to that challenge. He told us last week he's just he, he wants to play like that. He, he said it doesn't matter if it's in the AHL or the NHL. Yeah. Playing games is a priority for him. Seems the same for you, but where is that balance? Um, the the balance is playing. So it, we have three guys. It really is the way I look at it, and I I shouldn't say three when you have a guy that's capable like Oscar is as well. Um, so if, if, if our guys are going really well here, which is our, our expectation, he may have to play a lot of games in the American Hockey League, which is fine. Um, it's not going to hurt him. It's, you talk about goaltenders, defensemen, they need a little bit more time to mature before they get thrown into the fire. So it's not a bad thing. And um, it's one of the positions that we feel we have a ton of depth in and we feel really fortunate in that category. And we're going to get him as many games as we can possibly get him, whether it's in the American League or some games up here. You, how would you kind of assess the, the, the goalie room? Like, how, how do those, those guys kind of feed off each other or, or the dynamic between them, knowing that there is this sort of competition? They're all really good with each other. I mean, Jacob has that way about him where he pulls for Vladdy, and I think because Vladdy has learned from Jacob, they are the same way with the other two guys. So it's actually it's neat to see. There's competition, but they support each other, and, and that's really what you want from your, from your group. Ryan, since Landy's here, what does it mean to coaches and to players to have former Flames like Lanny around the team? What can coaches and players learn from guys who have won in this city and uh, who are willing to kind of give back at this stage? Yeah, I, Peter and I were talking about that when we were walking down here. Um, Lanny walked into our room and everybody kind of... <laughs> Everybody stops. Um, everybody knows who Lanny McDonald is, and we're trying to. We talk a lot about the Flames way and and how the style that we want to play. Um, he was like one of the reasons why we want to play that way, um, and he's the one guy that's won here, really. So it, it's kind of neat to see how the players react, whether it's a younger player, whether it's a member of our staff, whether it's me. I find it really cool. Um, when Lanny's around and the other alumni members are around because it's it's really what we're all about and why we're here. And looking more big picture than what we saw last night, what, when Nazem Kadri is sort of going at his best, what does he bring or add to this group? Um, Naz is competitive, and he's got a skill set that is at a really high level. Um, and I think when he is on and when he's he's really focused on his style of play, He's a really hard guy to play against because of that. So Naz has the ability to run you over when you're not expecting him to. Um, he gets mad a lot. Like He's one of the guys that hates to lose. He really hates to lose. So when he's really right and when he's playing the way Naz can play at his very best, the skill set is, like we saw last night, some of the plays that he was able to make and the goals he was able to score, um, that's there for us. But he also raises our competitive level and brings some edge to our team. So you, you look at Naz as maybe being a smaller player compared to today's NHL standards, but he's not smaller in the way he competes and is not afraid to get his nose in the mix. Does he seem physically Fred, like we asked Blake Coleman about coming back after winning a cup and that long playoff run. He just says it's so hard yeah. to get your body ready. And Kadri sort of alluded to that without making excuses at all for last year, but does he seem a little bit, just sort of have a little bit more jump? Oh, I think he does for sure. But even like when you, I don't want to keep talking about last year, but he started really well, and I think that really plays into it. Those guys go through a grind. I mean, Lanny will tell you how hard it is, and, and we fly charters. <laughs> um, 
it's a grind for those guys for how long they have to go, how hard they have to play, the operation that he went through, all that stuff comes into play. And then there's the mental letdown as well. Like, it's not quite the same anymore. It, it matters. Um, and I think by having a, a summer off, a summer to actually get himself back into the gym, to get himself working again, to get the fire back into him again, I think is a really good thing for him. I think it's safe to say the Flames missed some of Matthew Kachuk's intangibles last year, how he could get under the skin of his opponent. Do you see some of those qualities in, in Nazem as well? Yeah, totally different player, but he is uh, he can be a pest for sure. Like People um, people come to watch Naz play because he's a little bit unpredictable at times. Ryan Huska, his morning media availability ahead of a split squad game tonight in Seattle and here in Calgary against the Seattle Kraken. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop tonight in Calgary at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Pat Steinberg has your Calgary Flames pregame at 6. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call at 7 right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side and take a look at the opposition tonight. The Seattle Kraken made some noise in the NHL playoffs last year. What's the expectation for them this year? We'll take a look at the Flames opponent with Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times next. As Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Seattle Kraken made waves in year two of their franchise history. Into the Stanley Cup playoffs and knocking out the Colorado Avalanche in seven games. Now year three approaches with higher expectations for the Seattle Kraken than they've ever had. Welcome back to the program. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Now, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Take a look at tonight's opposition for the Calgary Flames in a pair of split squad games. Welcome in Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times. Jeff, thanks for doing this today, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It should be an interesting night on both ends of the uh, the Calgary-Seattle <laughs> spectrum. Looking forward to it. Uh, what's the vibe been like in Seattle? Big playoff win for the Kraken last year after over Colorado, like I mentioned. I imagine it's come with some... Uh, excitement to get back at the rink the last couple weeks. Yeah, it's just been exciting. There's a lot going on in town here between uh, the start of the Seahawks football season, the Mariners being in a pennant race, uh, the Husky college football Huskies are, are undefeated. So, so we got a lot going on sports wise. So the Kraken have some competition uh, in trying to get some attention. Although they had, you know, plenty of the city's undivided attention last spring during the playoff run, and they want to try to, uh, you, you know, rekindle some of that, uh, the, the emotions that they got going a few months back. What are some of the, the major storylines for this Seattle team in your mind, Jeff, as, as training camp opens on year three? This wasn't a team that made major adjustments in the offseason, but a couple of tinkering pieces here and there after a, a first playoff appearance last season. Well, I, I think one of the, the biggest uh, storylines going in is going to be that the team's attempts to incorporate some of its younger prospects into the lineup without taking away its playoff aspirations. You mentioned earlier, I mean, there, there are some expectations now for this team this season. And it's, uh, you know, the, the fans that they have won over here in Seattle aren't, aren't looking for anything less than a playoff berth this year. And that might be a tall order. It's going to be a tough division. So, I, I mean, they got to work in Shane Wright. They got to find a way to work in uh, Riker Evans on defense at some point this season. And also Ty Cartier uh, is going to look to break in on uh, right wing. And, and so that, that's three prospects, three top prospects right there. You know, they might get one of them in the lineup out of camp, maybe two. Uh, but I think all three have a chance to play this season. So, so we're going to see if they can beat out some, some stopgap veterans that they've been able to sign. 
Now, don't forget, they had one of the most pr- productive fourth lines in hockey last season, and they've let a lot of the guys that contributed, contributed to that go. Uh, Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprung, Ryan Donato, they're all gone. And so uh, they they got to make up that goal scoring somehow. So that's going to be a big um, a big piece to whatever success they have this year, and we'll see in training camp. The other thing to look for is the goaltending situation. Uh, they have a good battle going for the backup goalie spot between uh, Chris Drieger, who's going to play in Calgary tonight. He's going to start. And then um, and Joey Decord back here in Seattle is going to take over at some point from Philip Grubauer uh, during the game here in, in Seattle. So between the two of them, uh, you know, a lot of people think Decord might be able to bump uh, the veteran Drieger out of there. Uh, Drieger hasn't played for over a year because of an ACL tear. So that's something to keep a, a big eye on uh, as well. And, and that's one of the things that one of the stories of camp here. Uh, on a couple of those youngsters specifically, Jeff, obviously Shane Wright and his high draft status brings a lot of attention last year was, was quite the, the journey for him over different leagues and different teams. And uh, he was granted that AHL exemption. So he can play in the American hockey league uh, if need be, but it sure sounds like reading uh, storylines and, and just hearing from everybody in Seattle. It sure sounds like his focus is making the Seattle Kraken and staying there all season. If he can. Yes, and, and that's you know that's one of the reasons they haven't come out and granted the exemption officially. They don't know if they're going to actually have to do it. And I think the NHL and the, the Canadian uh, Canadian Hockey League would would prefer not to have to grant an exemption on paper and set it as a precedent for other people if they don't have to. But there's sort of a gentleman's agreement that they will allow them to go, and, and that really takes a lot of the heat off of the crack. And now they can make sure that Shane Wright truly is ready for the NHL. And if not, you know, there's no harm sending him back down to the AHL for, for a, a month or two to, to get his uh, legs under him in the pro ranks again, and, and then try to break him into the NHL. So th- there's no real pressing need to do it because of that exemption. Now, I think it would be a much different story uh, if they were told that, no, we're not going to give you an exemption if you do apply for one. So, um, you know, it gives him, they would like to see him crack the lineup, mm-hmm. of, of course, but they really have to make sure that he's ready because Again, you know, this is a team that has playoff expectations, you know, and they don't want to be sticking guys in there that aren't completely ready just yet. Uh, One guy that is there and ready to go, it's Matty Beneers, 57 points in 80 games last year, really solidifying himself in that Seattle lineup. And as you see across the league, Jeff, more and more young players out of their entry-level contracts getting signed to these long-term deals. It hasn't taken long for fans in Seattle to start to wonder about the contract status of Matty Beneers going forward. How much of a storyline is that uh, that you're watching going forward into this season is the potential for a long-term deal between these two sides? Well, I think it's going to become more of a storyline as the season progresses. Um, you know, there have been some speculation they might get a deal done before uh, the regular season. And I guess technically that could still happen. I don't really see a need for the Kraken to do that just yet. Um, you know, they've got one full season of Beneers to, to gauge. And clearly it was a good one. He won the Calder Trophy. But, you know, he, he, he had some growing pains last year as well. He wasn't as good in the second half down the stretch as he was in the first half. And part of that is because he suffered a concussion uh, after getting blasted by Tyler Myers. And so, you know, if I'm not cracking, you really might want to take a little closer look at him and see how he starts off this season before you go committing, you know, a five, six, seven-year deal to Matty Beniers. Now, that said, I mean, they've already said at training camp that they're not going to name a captain again this season. They haven't had a captain since Mark Giordano in, in year one, and that ended with his trade in March of 2022. 
So they, they're going to go at least two plus years without a captain, according to them. And the reason is they're, they're obviously keeping the space open for, for Matty Beniers. Mm-hmm. I think they'd like to name him captain next, a year from now, but uh, it, you know, it never hurts to see, okay, does he start off this season the way they expect? Is it going to take that next step or is there going to be any regression? It never hurts to be a hundred percent sure. So I think it behooves them to, to maybe, you know, wait a month or two, see what's going on. And then if you want to throw big money at him, throw it at him. I mean, Clearly, they think he's going to be uh, their future, a future star and a future leader of the team. It just, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt to make sure that that plan is still on track. Jeff Baker's along with us from the Seattle Times, checking a look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary Flames split squad action against the Seattle Kraken here in Calgary and in Seattle. Uh, interesting storyline for Andre Burakovsky coming back into training camp. Uh, obviously, went down with an injury last year. Looked like he was going to be a great fit for this Seattle team. They actually managed pretty well into the postseason without him. How uh, how's the integration process going back for for Andre Burakovsky and the rest of the Seattle forward group? Well, they managed quite quite well without him, and frankly, they might have gone to the uh, they might have gone to the final four <laughs> to the conference <laughs> final if if they'd had him. I mean, they they didn't manage well on the power play without him. The power play was terrible this season. It was pretty terrible in the playoffs. So they really, they really did start to miss him at times in that series, second round series that they lost to Dallas in seven games, where they had a chance to put the stars on the ropes and put them away, and they just could not get guys to finish off plays. And you know, Burakovsky, they, they brought him on to be that kind of guy, a finisher, a goal scorer, and and so they did miss him. Uh, so far, he looks all right in camp. Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell. Everybody's uh, everybody's perfect after three days of camp, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think they have high hopes for him to help them on the power play and it, just to help their overall offense as well. I mentioned earlier they lost a lot of that fourth line scoring that was probably the best scoring fourth line in hockey. Um, and, and so they're going to have to make up the goal differential somewhere and, and having Burakovsky come back and start to put the puck in the net the way he was starting to do when he, when he got hurt. Um, I think that that's, that's really going to help the team. Uh, a guy we know well here in Calgary because he's played most of his NHL career uh, just north of here is Kyler Yamamoto. Is he a guy that can come to Seattle and give some of that scoring depth you were just talking about? Yeah, he's going to have to. I mean, I think they fully expect him to, to put up double-digit goal totals. And, I mean, I mean you know, he, he's going to have to. I don't think too many people envision him being a fourth-liner on, on a, a third-year team, uh, let's say going back five or six years right after he was drafted. I mean, you know, he's a top draft pick for a reason. Uh, now he's, he's fighting for a fourth-line job. Uh, he's going to have to come to camp and, 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 you know, make his presence felt right away. Because as I mentioned, there's some guys pushing for a wing spot, including Ty Cartier, who's, uh, who's actually, uh, you know, r- really, uh, he, he really stepped up in the playoffs, although he can play left wing. So that, that's, that's not too much of a problem. It, it, it's just, you know, you got Shane Wright looking to break in as well. They brought Yamamoto here to try to, you know, as a stopgap, uh, just in case some of the young guys aren't completely ready. But I think deep down, the Kraken hope that they found themselves a, you know, a bargain. I mean, Yamamoto is still only 24. He's going to be 25 very soon in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, by no means has he already peaked, uh, you know, in terms of age in the NHL. And that, that's what the hope is. So, I, I mean, this is a big season for him to show other people in the NHL, not just the Kraken, that he hasn't peaked and that he's still got – something left to give and he still got upside as an NHL player the kind of upside that Edmonton thought they saw when they drafted him so um yeah there, there's some there's some big hopes for Yamamoto to uh to replace a lot of that scoring and uh, frankly he's going to have to or else uh you know there's some others that are, that are pushing and, and ready to take a one of the forward jobs 
Uh, just a couple more for you, Jeff. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. I imagine uh, as far as the split squad action goes, as far as storylines for the group in Seattle, uh, is Brian Dumoulin going to be somebody that you're watching intently tonight to see how he fits on that decor in Seattle? Yeah, there, there's some some questions about Dumoulin because, uh, you know, Carson Soucy was really coming into his own with this Kraken defensive core. And he's a guy that they, they would have liked to keep for the two-year term. The problem was he asked for three, and he got that from Vancouver, and they kind of knew he was going to get it. Um, and the thing is, with Riker Evans just poised to, to, to come up at some point, with it, probably this season or, or at the very least by next season in, into the NHL, uh, you, know, you know, they really did need more of a gap guy in there on defense. They didn't need to lock up a guy for three years if he's going to be on the bottom pairing. And so that's where they got the Moulin now. And, and, yeah, I mean, if there's a weak link to some of their additions, I mean, he might be one. He might be one where the defense took a bit of a downgrade. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, he, they, they could also use a couple more guys that can move the puck quicker. There were times when they were caught running around in their own end. Uh, definitely Evans is the kind of guy that can move the puck quickly out of the zone, and they're, they're looking forward to that in the future. But they're not quite sure exactly when he's going to be ready. They hope it's later this season. But, you know, if they need a, a guy in there this season, plus maybe a little next, then they've got them all in there to uh, to round out that bottom pairing. And, uh, you know, for now, that's where they'll have to go. And they also got to figure out what to do on that bottom pair with Justin Schultz, who's, you know, a right-handed shot. But he's he's a big part of their, their second power play unit uh, behind Vince Dunn. And, and he was starting to really come into his own in the playoffs as well. He was a big part of the Kraken's playoff success with Schultz. And he's only got one year left, so he's going to leave. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a guy, a veteran guy like Demoulin around for, for uh, two more seasons. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Vince Dunn is the last guy I wanted to ask you about. He exploded last year for a season-high 64 points. It was an offensive uh, explosion for him, 50 assists. He had seven more points in 14 playoff games. Is there a good chance in your mind that he can repeat that sort of offensive output last season, or were you wondering if this is more of an outlier season in Vince Dunn's career? Well, he's always had people that have touted him as being this kind of player. I think I don't think they expected it to come as quickly as it did last season, especially because his trajectory seemed to stall a little bit his final year in St. Louis and his first year with the Kraken. So I, I think last season came a bit of a, as a bit of a surprise to a lot of observers. But you know, it's it's not like people weren't projecting this for Vince Dunn. You know, if you go back three or four years, so. Uh, yeah, he's coming to his own. I think the Kraken have hedged their bets a little bit by, by signing him to a four-year deal, and he's bet on himself with this four-year deal. So the pressure is going to be on him to produce so that you know when he does clear these four seasons, he'll be able to go out and maybe even get himself a bigger deal after that. Um, I, 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 I don't see why not. The only, the only hesitation I would have with Dunn is just, you know, we'll see how he responds to the pressure now of having to live up to that contract. And we've seen a lot of guys, you know, sometimes uh, not able to do that. He's still got Adam Larson as his defensive partner. And Larson gets a lot of, uh, you know, you're from Alberta. I mean, I mean, he, he sometimes gets a lot of knocks because he's not the most offensive player out yep. there. Uh, but he is a rock steady, you know, defensive defenseman. And and he's he's a guy who, who hasn't missed a game yet in, in something like six years, five or six years. I mean, that that's a very steady partner for Vince Dunn to have. And he's somebody that allows Dunn to, to freelance offensively the way he was able to do last year. He didn't have that with Mark Giordano when Giordano was still on the team. You know, he was relegated to a, a, a lesser pairing, but he moved up after Gio left. He moved up to the top pairing, and he, him and Larson fit in really well together. So I don't see any changes there. I think he can do it. 
All that said, I just saw the betting lines come out from Norris Trophy uh, candidates. One of the one of the uh, the betting lines put it out. I can't remember which one. There was forty players listed. Not one of them was Vince Dunn. <laughs> So, um, you know, I don't know what that says. Maybe yeah. somebody wants to bet against them there. So uh, maybe the experts have it right. I don't know. Find out this year, no doubt. Uh, Jeff, great stuff. Really appreciate you hopping on with us this afternoon. Uh, enjoy the matchups tonight, and uh, I guess we'll chat again soon once we get uh, the regular season underway. Yeah, it's not like the Kraken and the Flames won't be playing each other uh, every other week. So <laughs> no, looking we'll, see. we'll see you guys there. Thanks, Jeff. All appreciate right. it. Sounds good. Bye now. Jeff Baker joining us. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline covers the Seattle Kraken for the Seattle Times. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff Baker Times. Interesting storylines for the Seattle team. Not a lot of changes. We kind of went through the big ones there. Dumoulin's in from Pittsburgh. Uh, we obviously know Kyler Yamamoto well here in Calgary. He's uh, joined the Seattle team as some hopeful offensive backing. But really, this team's not much changed. From the group that, that went to the playoffs last year and knocked out the Colorado Avalanche in seven games, they gave Dallas a, a pretty good series in round two as well. So, again, expectations are going to be interesting to watch. It's a, a pretty split group heading into tonight's matchup against the Flames. Uh, they're sending a couple of interesting veterans to Calgary that you'll want to keep your eye on. Uh, if you're at the Saddle Dome tonight, you'll see the likes of Kale Fleury, Will Borgen, um, Eli Tolvanen's a guy, Shane Wright. Kyler Yamamoto spoke about him. Cole Lind, uh, Chris Drieger, the former Calgary hitman, is going to be there as well. So some interesting names coming to Calgary from a Seattle perspective. As usual, split squad game. Most of your star players are staying home for Seattle. But Shane Wright played on like three or four different teams last year. Is reportedly going to get an exemption to play in the American Hockey League. He's just a game short of uh, reaching AHL status. But uh, he would obviously like to be on the Seattle Kraken roster this year, but you heard Jeff say that they're just not in a position after going to the playoffs last year to make space for a young player just so he can be in the NHL. He has to be NHL ready and because Seattle doesn't want to take a step back. It's been a good start for another expansion team, not unlike Vegas. Not quite the same level of success right off the start, but year two, the Seattle Kraken have won a playoff series. Year three, you got to think the expectations for a team that's largely the same as it was last year has to be at least playoffs again and, and make some noise if you're the Seattle team. If not, take it even a step further as Matty Beneers and some of those young guys get better for the Seattle Kraken. Again, it's split squad action at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome and yet at Climate Pledge Arena for the Calgary Flames and the Seattle Kraken. The game in Seattle starts at 8 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock Mountain here in Calgary. For the Flames and Seattle pregame with Pat Steinberg goes at 6 o'clock. We're going to divert away from hockey quickly on the other side to kick off Hour 2. We have our Monday chat lined up with Emily Sadler from Sportsnet. We'll look at the Sunday slate of NFL action through three weeks. Lots to get to, some major upsets, some historic offensive outputs. We'll check in with Emily next. Plus, still got a Stamps report coming your way as well. That. As Sportsnet Today continues next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.